Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we take a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is to talk this season's movies, The Fives, is my friend and your enemy, Palmer. How are you today? I am quite decorous. How about you? You are quite decorous. Yes. That is a great word. It is. It is a great word. I'm pretty sure it's made up. It could be made up. I mean, I think you're made up. I am. I'm yes. just CGI. Do you like sandwiches? Some some sandwiches. Some okay, sandwiches. so you're not exactly Alan Turing. That was a, that was a Turing <laughs> test. You passed. You are yay. Not, you are not a robot. So we are here to talk about the 2015 best Oscar nominations. Palmer, are you excited? Was this was this fun for you? Oh yes, yes. so much fun. Yeah, I can sense how much fun you seem to be having even right now. So we are here to talk about the following films: Boyhood. The Theory of Everything, Whiplash, Selma, The Grand Budapest Hotel, American Sniper, The Imitation Game, and Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Palmer. Yes. I'm sure you remember what won Best Picture. Birdman. Birdman won Best Picture. Yes. And then the rest of the title, which everyone forgets about. Yeah, there's no more. It's like Dr. Strangelove. You know, it's or like, how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Right, exactly. Everyone just thinks it's Dr. Strangelove, but th- there's more to the title. <laughs> there's a lot more to that title. There's a lot more to that movie. But but the big board, <laughs> uh, great movie. Do we have to? That's got that's nominated, isn't it? I'm pretty sure. I would imagine this, so. I think that's actually this season. It could be. <gasps> dun dun dun. This season, I'm dramatic going to, sting. I'm going to look it up. Hold on, Doctor Zhivago. No, no, we already did that one. Nope, we're gonna watch it again. Yay, Doctor Zhivago. Yeah, that's the season. Woo! Yay, that's exciting. All right. Anyway, it's in the sixties. Palmer, it is in the 60s, yeah, 64, yeah. so for 65. I know everything. Of course you do. I do you. But, oh, well, maybe you do. <laughs> Palmer, let's start with your favorite movie of all time, Boyhood. Oh, God. Directed by Richard uh, Linklater, written by Richard Linklater, starring uh, Elias Coltrane, Patricia Arquette, Ethan Hawke, Laura Lay. Linklater, this movie was nominated for Best Picture, supporting actor for Hawke, directing original screenplay and film editing. It won... Best Supporting Actress for Patricia Arquette. Huh, and, I don't remember that. Yeah, she won Best Supporting Actress. Yep. Well, uh, somebody had to. Yeah, and the movie, uh, the movie was filmed over a twelve-year. The movie was filmed over a twelve-year period, uh, in which the actors age up with the story, and it follows it follows Mason from his early childhood to arriving at college. This movie, uh, this movie really splits people. I think. Um, some really take to it, and some some do not. What, where do, where do you fall on this? Oh, I definitely stand on the do not category. See, the biggest problem I have with this is while the movie progresses the twelve years, sure, they lost the script somewhere. You think so? Well, yes. I mean, he I think he wrote it over that twelve year period, right? Like, I don't think he wrote a movie and then said, "Okay, I'm going to film it over a twelve year period." I mean, he. I I would doubt it, but this, you know, it's almost. I'll say this: if this was a documentary, I probably would like it better. It it oh. it's very. It feels like a documentary, but the fact that I have all these famous people that I know are playing parts, 
maybe that's because maybe they actually feel like real people. So that's a testament to the film. I mean, it's a testament to a little bit of the film, yes. Like, I'm not saying the entire thing's trash. Um, oh, okay. That's that's actually a huge improvement from what I thought. I really yeah, no, no, no. Like, like um, Ethan Hawke does a good job. Patricia yes. Arquette does a good job. Uh, her first husband, yes, is yeah, is really he's, he's good. Excellent. You know, there's some good performances in there. My biggest problem with this is, I just don't think it really had a cohesive storyline. Like, I understand, like the entire thing is you're supposed to be seeing him grow up. But all it is is just like moments that mm-hmm. don't coalesce into a story. Yeah, I, I get, I totally get that. And if you say there isn't really a story apart from him growing up, I would agree with you. There's no like, there's no like, he's gotta get the thing, right? Or like, it's not even like the goal is like he's gotta get to college or something like that. That's not what's happening here. Yeah, and it's not even like it's not even like oh he's gotta figure himself out. There's just a lot of things like I think they could have done to just give you a little bit more of an interesting story than just interesting moments. Sure. I get that. I like I I I really get that. I'm not sure if because it's filmed over that 12 year period, I was I'm not sure if I'm even looking for anything more than it gives me because I guess there is a story about, you know, like his mom like figuring out her life she has that big conversation with him before he goes to college she's like you're not even like are you even sad that you're going you know because that's all life is it's just a series of moments that and she thought there would be more so it's almost like so your problem with the movie is almost like her problem with life right where it's like you're looking for more than a series of moments and she's saying that's all there is yeah i mean i see that And I think there are times the movie just kind of skips things too willy nilly, Mm -hmm. like her second husband. She's married. Obviously, he's got some issues. And the next scene, they're like, he's gone. You don't even ever see him again. And they're divorced. Like, like you knew it was probably coming. But at least with the first husband, you kind of see the end of the marriage. Yeah. Okay. You know, it just it, it skips a little bit too much. Yeah, I I don't know if I felt that way the first time I watched it cuz I I I watched all of these when they right. when they were nominated the first time. On on reflection and watching it this time, I really took to this film and I I didn't expect to. I res- I respect the I respect the experiment, right? And I right. always have like that's a it's a like it's a bold choice make of like what happens if like someone in the cast drops out or somebody dies or anything like that. That was like, it's, it's, it's gutsy. Yeah. Um, and, but I was taken with the characters this time and I didn't, I wasn't really looking for anything more than some kind of reflection on life of growing up or something like that. Mm So I don't know. I really took to it. I understand why it was nominated and I also understand why it didn't win. If that makes sense. Like it's nominated for the respect of the experiment. But if this was filmed over six months, it's not a, it's not anything. Right. But see, I don't I don't think that should be the deciding factor. Um, I would say that it's the deciding factor because we have eight movies instead of five. OK, I, yeah. I, like, I think this movie is I think Boyhood is a movie that doesn't get a nomination if we're only at five. Right. No. And I could say that 
It's raining. Yes. Oh, thanks. I was like, <laughs> I thought my house was falling apart. I was no. Like, what does that sound? Oh, it's um, raining. It's right. And I know I texted you earlier when I was watching. I forgot. It might have been this movie. When I was, oh no, it was another movie. I was like, there are there. I could easily cut these down to five movies. Yep. Mm-hmm. But this is what we get in a year that it's more than five movies. Yeah, I agree. To be, but in my opinion, and I'm not I, saying it's bad. I'm just saying I don't think this should have been nominated. It's, it's but it's weird because like I agree, but I also think this is like a four out of five, a five out of five film because of the experiment and. Like it's a, I think it's really well put together, structured film, and I think it, it gets an editing nod because it takes twelve years of footage and like actually turns into something where you can see the progression of people. Yeah. And so, um, but at the same time, I get where it's like missing something. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't know. I'm not really sure. But uh, right. some fun facts. Yes, some fun facts. The facts that are fun. All right, Richard Linkletter's. Cast his daughter Lorelai Linkletter yep. as Samantha because she was always singing and dancing around the house and wanted to be in his movies. At about the third or fourth year of filming, she lost interest and asked for her character to be killed off. That's great. Linkletter refused, saying it was too violent for what he was planning. Lorelai eventually regained her enthusiasm and continued with the project. That's hilarious. <laughs> she was good. She has like a yeah. good. St- she has a good presence on film. She does. Yeah. Especially the older she gets. Yes, I agree. Yeah. The film began production as the untitled 12-year project and became just 12 years. But when the film was finished, Richard Linkletter changed the title to Boyhood to avoid confusion to avoid confusion with the similarly titled Academy Award-winning 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, that would have been weird. Yeah. Yeah. Different year, but still would have been weird. Um, yeah, two years prior. Wow, that was two... 2000 well 2013 so it's probably next season yep okay yeah in the campfire scene the movie showed dad and mason talking about the possibility of another star wars movie Mm -hmm. the campfire scene in the previously shown obama biden campaign scene set in 2008 showed mason at the same age the real plans for star wars episode 7 the force awakens were first conceived after the acquisition of lucasfilm by disney in 2012 Eventually, this movie was released in the same year that Episode 7 started filming. That's hilarious. That's really funny. Right. And it's funny because, like, the my favorite part is, is – one of my favorite parts is that scene because I'm sitting there going, you're right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they shouldn't continue the story. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that we're done with our Star Wars episode. <laughs> um, ah, but you got three Lord of the Rings episodes. Yeah. You're in the minority there. Well, I mean, I guess you're in the minority about Star Wars, too, so what does it matter? Uh, anywho. Anywho. Let's talk about the next movie. Okay. The Theory of Everything. Let's talk about The Theory of Everything, directed by James Marsh, written by Anthony McCartan, based on the book Traveling to Infinity, My Life with Stephen by Jane Hawking. Starring Eddie Redmayne, Felicity Jones, Harry Lloyd, David Thewlis, and Alice or Ewing. Nominated for Best Picture, Actress for Jones, Adapted Screenplay and Music, it won Best Actor for Eddie Redmayne. Uh, this follows the relationship between Stephen Hawking and his wife, Jane, as he um, he gets sick and so and writes his book and is one of the smartest people to ever exist at the end. This year we have very weird couples. Yes, that, that was the theme. 
Yeah. This, that was the theme this year. <laughs> strange couples. Bo- Smart people with strange pairings. Boyhood had, you know, had the mother who couldn't um, find a good guy to save her life. And now we have this one where, I mean, Stephen eventually tells her it's okay to have an affair? Question mark? Yes, that's pretty much yeah. exactly what he tells her. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's very odd. And then, like, he finds somebody else and, like, peace out. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, sometimes the smartest people in the world do weird things. <laughs> I mean, Imitation Game is a great example. Imitation is a great example of that because they're both super smart in that one, too. Not yeah. that, you know, Jane Hawking isn't smart, but, um, you know, they're, like, both geniuses. And they're both like, oh, no, let's, like, let's not exactly figure out life together. Oh, but anyway, we'll talk about that when we get there. A Theory of Everything, I think, is a really just okay film. I think this is one of the. I think Eddie Redmayne is very good in it, but he is. I think it's. A, I think it's the case of he could have been nominated without the movie being nominated. See, it's weird because uh, you know I watched this when it first came out, and I thought it was just okay. Upon rewatching it, I like it a lot more. I liked it more the second time as well. I think it focuses too much on on Stephen and Jane's relationship and not enough on Stephen as like in like the discoveries that he makes. If that makes well, sense, it's based off the book that she wrote. Yeah, I know. So that's but more about the based on not fa- not exactly the same. You know, doesn't have no. To but be that bad. was the aspect that they kind of went with. Yeah, I actually like that lens that they took it's the same like i like um the first man Mm -hmm. where they took the lens of the family because it's like you know he's gonna get sick you know he's gonna write the book about time you know and make all these discoveries so on and so forth but i feel it works better in this Mm. i think it works better in this as well and not that i I liked first man but i think i think it works better here as well because while while yes he's he wrote not just one book he wrote a few books that's right um, and he came up with different theories, sometimes disproving his original theory. Mm-hmm. Like, I figured it out, like, two years later. I figured it out again. I was wrong that last time. Mm-hmm. But this time I got it. I thought that during I- Imitation Game for some things, or if you think of it, remind me when we get yeah. there. So, um, so I think it works better in this because otherwise it's just like A Beautiful Mind, and I've already seen that movie. Sure. And you can come very, very easily to the point where you're just flying over the heads of everybody if you're going into what he that you know, and that's did. true, which is probably one of the reasons that they opted for the relationship they opted for the relationship version instead um and i yeah, i you know i got it's fine it's yeah. it's it's fine, and i and i I particularly like period piece films. I like biographies. Mm-hmm. I like period pieces. And this one just didn't do it for me. Yeah, I, I thought the acting was, was top notch. That I agree with. And I'm I, not a huge Eddie Redmayne fan. Like, he's, yeah, either, no, he's I, hit or I, miss. I, I, dis, I usually dislike Eddie Redmayne mainly because I hate Marius. Um, you don't like his Marius. No, I just mean I hate Marius. Oh, you hate Marius the character. Right. Oh, I understand. Oh, um, okay. So th- there's that. And I will say I was disappointed that they cut out the portion of the movie where Lupin becomes a werewolf. Yeah. 
Yeah, but he didn't have his dumb mustache, and that was the that's the important oh, part. No, he should have. He's that's how you know him. You know him because he's David Thewis. You know him because of his mustache. Did you? Did you? This is this is. Did you know this is a sequel to Wonder Woman? He, that he's still hiding among the <laughs> among the British. No. <laughs> like, he's just he's still the hanging British out. Just never find out anything. No, I did enjoy the, the bit in the movie where he gets his um, where Stephen gets his voice box, his voice modulator, mm-hmm. and and he says something is like, "Hello, my name is Stephen Hawking," right. and they're like it's American. I enjoy that very much. <laughs> Does it come in other voices? Yeah. No. Um, it's not in my. I don't think this is actually in my fun facts, but that voice is actually trademarked. I did not know that. I yes. mean, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. That but... voice is trademarked by him. Huh. Well, I mean, it is his voice, and it is a, it is unique. It is. It mm-hmm. is very unique. Um. So Eddie Redmayne does a really good job. I actually really like. Um... Oh, but you know that would that would stop people like, say like recording stuff that he didn't actually say like oh exactly. Stephen Hawking said this thing yeah. so it's like a protection thing mm-hmm. wow that's well he is he was really really smart so <laughs> <laughs> they don't call him a genius for nothing that's right uh Felicity Jones is really good in this yeah I think she's always good uh, mostly oh tell me something that you don't think she was good in Rogue One yeah well I give me a movie that you thought no give me a movie that's not Marvel <laughs> Give me a movie that's not made by Disney that you thought that she wasn't good in. I don't know. There's only two movies I know she's in. There you go. This uh, okay. One. She was um, Felicia Hardy in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, that's not helping. I know. <laughs> I know. But she was good in it. I mean, yes. She, like, her and Emma Stone were good. But, oh, God. The Andrew Garfield years. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I learned... A bit about him. That's good. Which That's is nice. which is good. But it was what I wanted. Like I wanted the nice family aspect because you know he has Lou Gehrig's disease, mm-hmm. or he had Lou Gehrig's disease. Right. He's now he's now passed away, um, and that to me is more is more interesting about how he went on, like how his how it affected him and his family. Mm-hmm. While he also didn't let it kind of didn't let hinder him him doing other things as much as possible. Yeah, that conversation that he has with um, one of his friends, he's hiding out where he's like, where Stephen's like, I have Lou Gehrig's disease, and he's like, What do I know about baseball? (laughs) Oh my god, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm not up on my random esoteric baseball Baseball. diseases. Like, oh my goodness. Um, anyway, some fun. Did you fun facts already? Uh, surprisingly, a movie about Stephen Hawking doesn't have the funnest facts. Well, a movie didn't really have all the fun in it either, so yeah. it's fine. <laughs> this, scraping the bottom of the barrel, yeah. the pen that Stephen imagines picking up is the Parker 51, considered by many to be the best pen ever. Oh, my God. That's the first fun fact. <laughs> Stephen Hawking died on March 14th. That's not fun. 2018. What is, how would that be numerically? 3.14. Died on Which Pi is, Day. Yeah. Died on Pi Day. That's yep. great. 3.14 represents the first three digits of Pi and is also Albert Einstein's birthday. Oh, my God. See, this is where the existence of God comes in. <laughs> right there. Uh, the quote, Daisy, Daisy, give me your answer, do, that Hawking uses while experimenting with his new speech-generating device comes from the lyrics of a well-known song, Daisy Bell, Bicycle Built for Two. 
this song this is the song that was used for the earliest known demonstration of computer speech synthesis in 1961 when it was sung by an IBM 704 computer. As a tribute to that event, Daisy Bell was also sung by the fictional HAL 9000 computer in a memorable scene in 2001 A Space Odyssey. Well, that's fun. 2001 A Space Odyssey is a good film. I've not seen all of it yet. <gasps> yeah, what, I know. What, I bits, what bits have you seen? Uh, the I've, good bits, all of them, because it's a great movie. Anyway, I'm sorry, what? I mean, uh, up until usually the monkeys throw the bone in the air. So the first 10 minutes. Really? That's only 10 minutes? It felt longer. Yeah, it might be a little bit longer than 10, yeah. but that's that's the first segment of the movie. I know that's the first segment of yeah, the movie. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, it's great. For I saw it on the big screen first time in <laughs> 70 millimeter, yep. and I'm sure that adds to my enjoyment of the film. I don't think I'd get the same impact watching it on my screen at home. Um, it's kind of a big, it's kind of a picture big screen. Movie. Yeah, it's a big picture kind of movie. Let's talk about the next movie. Whiplash, written and directed by Damien Chazelle, starring Miles Teller, J.K. Simmons, Melissa Benoist, and Paul Reiser or Reiser? Reiser. Paul Reiser. Reiser. Nominated for Best Picture and Adapted Screenplay. It won Best Supporting Actor for Simmons, Editing, and Sound Mixing. Um, stories about Miles Teller, who plays a young, up-and-coming wannabe drummer in a very prestigious music school, uh, and the hard-ass teacher that tries to get all of his students to be the next great thing but he is extremely abusive uh in his in his ways and uh it kind of follows their clash whiplash is one of the best movies ever it's so good i love whiplash not ever but that's, that's a stretch it's one of the best movies of the 21st century let's say that it is one of the best movies of 2015. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. How about the last five years? I would have to. I would have to rethink, but uh, I'll give you a maybe on that. Okay, I'll I give mean, you one of the best I'll movies you... in the last five years can be like the top twenty movies. There's yeah. a lot of movies that get released every year. I know. I will. I will say it's probably at least in the top fifty. Okay. All right. That's fine. I'll take that. Yeah. That's good. That's great. Because, I mean, I, I mean, it's not my top five ever. I didn't I'm think not... I was going to like this movie. Oh, you had not seen this before. I have not seen it before. Wow. Um, but I really love J.K. Simmons. I like, I thought I was going to dislike this movie. I really enjoyed it. And it breezes along so well that by the time it was done, I was like, no, it just started. It just started. It's just, right. Like, what is it? what, are we, There's what more. are we doing? See, here's why I think this movie works so well. It's a five out of five despite Miles Teller. Yeah. And that's the true genius of the movie. Well, I mean, because you just side with J.K. Simmons for throwing stuff at Miles Teller. I mean... Like, I want to throw stuff at Miles Teller. All the time. <laughs> and now... I mean, I don't think Miles Teller's a terrible actor. I think he's a terrible person. And like, there's a being. No, like, I just... I don't know why I don't he like He has him. a very punchable face i just don't like miles teller maybe it's this movie no it's all movies i just don't i just don't care for his performances but i think but i mean in some ways i kind of on on jk simmons side i'm not supposed to be as a teacher i can i watch what he's doing and that is not none of it's good like i mean yes he's pushing them but he's like kids are committing suicide and having mental breakdowns and he's making them bleed and torture themselves all for 
fame and recognition and just from him, not even like the world, just him. And so it's, it's much he's, he's, he's five steps too far. See, I look at it as someone potentially on the PTA going like that kind of teacher. I should be a teacher. No, 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 there should be no (laughs) teachers like that. But I think the performance is excellent. Like, I mean, you don't have to be on your main character side nor on the antagonist side, but I think they play so well off of one another. Yeah. And the rhythm of the film plays to its score really well. Um, and I, I think there's, there's always a mounting tension. It's almost like, you know, like the drum, the drum, like uh, the drum snare is like always going and it's right. always ratcheting up the next level to the next. And it's just like, that's really hard to achieve. Yeah. And so, because a movie, just because the movie is supposed to have tension doesn't mean that it does. Yep. And I think that's why, I think that's why it's so good. Yeah, I agree. And he ultimately gets the best out of Miles Teller. He does. So his methods work. Yeah, see, and that's the scary part, I think, by the end of the film, is that, like, it it really does, like, it it really does work. Yeah. And it leads you to this place of, like, oh, was he so bad after all? Even though a kid committed yeah, suicide you know. because of him. Well, I mean. Yeah. It, yeah. He, we don't know it was because of him. This kid, yeah. We know that. Um, he started to have depression around the time. Yeah, but based on the information given in the yeah. film, it's supposed to be because it's supposed to be because of him. That, and we have to just assume that the parents are not in it for any sort of money or something. Right. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. yeah. But you're, you're. I see. Here's the thing. I love J.K. Simmons. Yes. I love his performances. I love what he's yep. about and like all this stuff. I hope by the time this episode comes out that it's not like J.K. Simmons discovered to be like, you know, a terrible person. You know, and here <laughs> we are. Like, record the episode uh, I'm not re-recording point. it. So here's the disclaimer right now. If it turns out that J.K. Simmons is actually a terrible person, note that we didn't know that before we recorded this <laughs> before we recorded this episode just assume we didn't i'm going to put that as a disclaimer up at the bottom <laughs> of any, everything for, uh, yeah if someone we talk about it in this episode turns out to be terrible we recorded it before right because at this point it's oh, it, it can happen so yeah. but anyway i'm not sure if i'm on jk simmons side because it's jk simmons or because i'm like or actually like because it's or because i don't like miles teller or you know like i'm not sure what it is there's something in there but yeah there's yeah, excellent film. Really, truly excellent. Give me yeah. some give me some fun facts. For the slapping scene, J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller filmed several takes with Simmons only miming the slap. For the final take, Simmons and Teller decided to film the scene with a real genuine slap. This is the take that is used in the film. He got to really slap Miles Teller. That's great. He should win an award just for that. He did win an award. <laughs> yeah. Just for that. For like everyone slap. was voting. Reason. Slapped Miles Teller. Nailed it. Yeah. The film is one of the lowest grossing movies ever to be nominated for Academy Award for Best Picture. It was not widely released. It's not because people didn't go. It's because it didn't have a huge release upon before its nomination. Yeah, but I mean, you would have thought that it got afterwards. It would have gotten a wide release. You would think so. Yeah. But that is, that's truly sad because yeah. it's an excellent film. Early in the film, Andrew listens to a CD of Buddy Rich. 
Buddy Rich was a drummer infamous for his short temper, and he would regularly berate and verbally abuse his bandmates for what he considered inferior musicianship. This foreshadows Fletcher's abusive treatment of his students. Wow. See, look at that. That's some deep cut stuff for there. That's why Damien Chazelle is an excellent filmmaker, and everyone should love every movie that he's ever made. Right, Palmer? No, I don't believe you. I don't know what other movie he's done, but I just know you're wrong. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you what other yes. movie he's done? He did First Man. Oh, God. And your favorite, La La Land. <laughs> so he's one for three. Yeah. <laughs> well, this movie, he made a short film he, of this yeah, movie. Yeah, he did with... a short film because he couldn't get financing. Right. And he originally wanted Miles Teller, um, but he couldn't get him because of scheduling. So when they did the movie, he was able to get Miles Teller, so they switched him out, because J.K. Simmons is in both. Was, he was always there, yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway, let's talk about Selma, directed by Ava Duver- DuVernay. Is that how you say her last name? I, DuVernay? Sure. DuVernay? 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 Ava. Ava. Ava DuVernay. Uh, written by Paul Webb, starring uh, David Uello, Carmen Iolgo, and Tim Roth, and Tom Wilkinson, I guess. Yep. He's in there. And Oprah. And... Uh, Actually, tons of people. Tons of people. Name the person. They're in there. Yeah. Uh, Nominated for Best Picture. It won for Original Song for Glory. Yep. And it follows the... um, It it follows um, Martin Luther King on his trail to get the the black vote from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama in 1965. Mm -hmm. And so it is post-Birmingham pre-assassination. I guess. It's a, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, when I watched some of the first time, I was not particularly taken with it. Okay. I thought it was a little too methodical. Like they didn't, I didn't find it had any real pace to it. Okay. Um, on the second time, I thought it was excellent. And I don't know what struck me different about it. Not having better taste. Uh, maybe. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood. You yeah. know, sometimes when it you is, bulk, it when is you a bulk movie that movies, you, yeah. yeah. Sometimes when you when you got to watch them quickly, especially for stuff like this award show, yeah, or stuff like you know, you're just like, oh my god, let me just get to the next one. Yeah, but uh, I think David was and is an excellent actor and deserves more accolades than he's given mm-hmm. generally on a on a on a daily basis, and so I and. Actually, Tim Roth and Tom Wilkinson were excellent in this film, too. It was weird to watch two esteemed British actors have their weird southern accents talking across the <laughs> talking across the room to one another but um yeah i there's still something about it I think is missing, and I'm not sure what it is exactly i can't I couldn't pinpoint it either time, but I enjoyed Selma much more the second time than I did the first time. You know what it is. At least for me, like I, I enjoy the movie, and I think Tim Roth does a really good job. And mm-hmm. I'm not taken, I'm not taken with the lead actor. You're not. No, and I don't know why. Like he looks the part. It's just something feels off. But I think a little bit of the problem is uh, King is depicted realistically right he's not depicted as like the saintly martin luther king that you pretty much read about in history class sure but nobody's really the version that you of themselves that you read about in history class no but i mean like he has extramarital affairs 
he's very push like he's very pushy about how he gets things done. Right. And you could say at some t- at times it's is it to really get what he wants done or to do it and call attention to him? I don't know. I think. uh, Go ahead. And I don't think. And I don't think the movie does it to besmirch uh, Martin Luther King in any way. Like King still comes out, still looks the good guy. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those you like. It's one of those times. It's like the sausage being made. Sure. That kind of takes a little bit of the sheen off of it. Yeah, I. I feel that if you presented a. Um, glossy version of him, then it would feel like a disservice to who he really was. Like, I mean, you learn about, you know, oh, this is Dr. King, you know, you know, you know, civil rights and everything, blah, blah, like history class. But that's not when you're a kid, you're talking like stuff you learn about in fourth grade. You know, you're not, you're not at the level to be like, well, kids, he led the civil rights movement, but he also cheated on his wife. And you're like, my daddy does that too, you know, like, right. right. That's, that's not the time or the place. And so as an, but so, but this film is geared towards adults as, you know, as adults, you should learn the real thing. Right. But I think, I think that's, I think that's a little bit of what kind of robs the movie of, of something. Yeah. And I'm not saying that there wasn't like, they shouldn't have done it. I think they should have. You want the portrayal to be as accurate as possible because then you don't give detractors the ability to dislike something just based on omittance. Okay. Sure. Um, I think so. Here's a, here's an example. So there was a, a movie a couple of years ago called The Butler. Do you remember that? Yeah. Where's the Lee Butler in the White Butler. House? Yeah. The, you know, and that movie got hit because it presents a very like rose colored glass version yeah. of history yeah. and people say that's not but that's not history that's rose colored version of history and so maybe so Selma comes at a time because they were made in a, uh, the same around the same time we're just we're, that's not what people were interested in you know if that makes sense you know so like yeah so like uh you're it would be like watching a movie about let's say like john adams where they don't talk about how he disowned his son we're like, but but he did, you know what I mean? See, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, so and I've watched John Adams the miniseries. Yeah, he disowned, where I don't think they show that. You, you know, they definitely do. They, I because like because um, I've seen Ben Franklin disown his son. Yes, right. That's because you know 1776 quite well. Yes, yes, son. What son? Yeah. So, I those are events in real people's lives, and I think it's not. It's also partly the focus of the film, and I guess if you don't focus on it in some way, then they're kind of just going through motions. You're you're missing a part of the motivations of people, right? And like I said, but I and I said like I don't I don't detract this movie from that, but I think like I think that's a little bit of what mm-hmm. what makes like holds back the movie a bit to an extent. Like I don't know, I just. It was weird to see it was weird to see Dr. King like a human being. Okay. Well, yeah. I I guess if that's your first I understand that it's almost like watching it like you when you realize like your dad for the first time makes mistakes or something like that, you know, or like anybody like 
you're some form of hero, whether it's like a personal hero or a national hero or whatever, that it, once you see them as a human being, it does does it, it it's making you question. You know what it would be like? It would be like if it would be like somebody who loves the Bible mm-hmm. watching um, Last Temptation of Christ for the first time. Sure. I, I, I kind of get that, except that Last Temptation of Christ is a, absolutely a fiction. It's designed to be that. Right. It would but be I mean, more like, like discovering was... that Jesus really did wield an axe. Like, if that's, right, but, yeah. but I mean, like, would be like watching would be like watching The Last Temptation of Christ for the first time and then finding out, like, this is also what Jesus was like. So that's sure. so that's kind of what I'm saying is like you have all the knowledge of the person one way and then you're presented with a different take on the person. And in this case, it's real. That's right. And it just like it just it's weird. It like it it weirds you out a bit. Oh, that's I, I have not. I did not think about it that way. But in some ways, it makes me respect the movie more. So, oh, so do I. like I said, um. I, I don't think it should have won. I think it should have won for best song. Um, there was a great moment during so that Academy John Awards. Legend John Legend Common. Common. Yeah. yeah. It was in the film. Yeah. Um, and yeah. one of the best moments of the Academy Awards that year were them singing the song and the backdrop was the was the bridge and they had a bunch of people on oh, stage yeah, to, right. mm-hmm. to to represent the marchers. Um, it was a very moving it was a very moving version of the song, and when they won, it was even better. I do remember that, and I almost never remember original songs, but I do recall that. So, very good. Give me some fun facts. Okay, fun facts. What movie are we on again? Selma. Yes, Selma. That's Birdman. That's nope. Imitation Game. That's Selma. 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 The explosion in the opening scene is the infamous 16th Street Baptist Church bombing which occurred in Birmingham, Alabama, September 15th, 1963. The four young girls killed in the bombing were Addie Mae Collins, Denise McCare, Carol Robertson, and Cynthia Wellesley. Lee Daniels was originally set to direct the original cast, included Hugh Jackman as Sheriff Jim Clark, Liam Neeson as Lyndon B. Johnson, Robert De Niro as Segregus Governor George Wallace, Cedric the Entertainer as minister and activist Ralph Abernathy, and Lenny Kravitz as activist Andrew Young. David Oyello was attached to star as Martin Luther King. When Ava took over as director, he was the only one, he was the only casting decision she didn't change. Wow, really? What was that first name before Liam Neeson? Uh, Hugh Jackman. As? As the sheriff. As the sheriff. Wow. That's such a different cast. It really is. I actually really like that cast a lot. <laughs> I liked this one, too. Don't get me wrong. But that cast, wow. Yeah. Some critics have disputed the film's depiction of Lyndon B. Johnson as reluctant as a reluctant supporter of the voting rights and an opponent of the Selma March. However, it is accepted that Johnson was a strong ally of the civil rights movement. By some accounts, including those of civil rights leader John Lewis, even with the pressure from Martin Luther King and other activists, his support of the march was with reservation. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think as president, big political and social upheavals always give people pause regardless of what they are. Right. 
And I mean, he does like he he has a very good uh, line in the movie that is right and at the same time is wrong, mm. where he tells Martin Luther King, "You have one, you have one, um, the hearts of millions. Yeah, no, you have one big subject." That you want done, I have a hundred and I run a country. Oh, yeah. I have a hundred and one. That's right. Um, and it's true. Like he has to, he has to worry about poverty. He has to worry about, you know, the the increasingly growing negative war in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, like he has a lot of things that he has to worry about that he needs to get people to to pass. At the same time, he's also like he had, he had passed the Voting Rights Act, or he had passed. That's right. The, mm-hmm. the, yeah, he had passed that already. Um, so... No, no, no. The point of this movie is that they were going to pass it. What was the one... No, he had already passed something. Oh, it was the desegregation. Yeah. Um, so he, you know, there's there's actually a flip side of this film, uh, LBJ, Mm -hmm. with, um, the guy from the, the AMC show there about the meth teacher. Brian Cranston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where it shows him trying to get the Breaking Bad is the show you yeah, were thinking of, which shows him trying to get those to get, to get that Voting Rights Act passed. Oh, okay. Um, and it's just all done from like his kind of perspective, uh, and it's also really good. It it was originally a play, it was one Tony, right. and then mm-hmm. they did a they did an HBO version. Um, so I mean, it's true, like. Martin Luther King is like, this is what we want, and I'm not, I don't care about anything else. And it's true because right, wrong, or indifferent, like, he only had one issue to worry about. And, and Johnson, who wants to get reelected president, has 101 different issues. And it's, and it's funny to see how they kind of commingle. And even Johnson's like, look, I'll help you out on this. Can you help me out on some other stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it good. has it has a very it has a very interesting dynamic. It's good. Well, good fun facts. Let's move on to our next film, The Grand Budapest Hotel, directed by Wes Anderson, uh, written by Wes Anderson, based on the stories of Stefan Zweig, based on the story by Hugo Guinness, starring Ralph Fiennes, Tony Revolori, Tony Revolori. That's his hard name to say. Revolori, Jude Law, Saoirse Ronan, Jeff Goldblum, Adrian Brody, Willem Dafoe, Harvey Keitel, Tom Wilkinson, Tilda Swinton, Edward Norton. And F. Murray Abraham. This movie was nominated for Best Picture, Directing, Cinematography, Editing, and Original Screenplay. A1 Best Costume Design, Makeup, Production Design, and Music. This follows the adventures of Gustav H., played by Ralph Fiennes, a, les- a legendary concierge of the famous hotel, uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, in the fictional Republic of Zubroka between the First and Second World Wars, and his relationship and friendship with Zero Mostafa, his lobby boy. I know you don't like Wes Anderson right. films at all. Yeah. Uh, and this movie is extremely Wes Anderson. Yeah. In some ways that even Wes Anderson films are not Wes Anderson. Right. And so I'm sure you hated every second of this. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure this was something that you. Every won- single second of this 10 hour movie. It's barely two. It's barely two hours. I think it's actually only an hour and a half, maybe really? an hour and 40. It's, 90, it's like 96 minutes. Yes. But it not feels long. 10 hours. I completely disagree with you. Grand right. Budapest Hotel is one of my favorite films. Yeah. And not even Academy Award films this year, whatever. It is one of my favorite films. I absolutely love this film. If you could only see the. 
the look on your face. Right. Yes, I can see it. I'm oh, looking okay. right at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. The microphone isn't that big. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> stop blocking that much of your face. Yeah. <laughs> now, well, I mean, you, you're a minority of not liking Wes Anderson, I would say, you know. I don't think I so. I think there are, I'm sure there obviously he's either you like him or you don't. I think I used to be in the minority, but people have slowly come over to my side. I don't think that's and true. And the only ones that are still holding on are you and the hipsters. Okay. That's fine. If it, it gets me more Wes Anderson movies, I don't care. And I, I don't I, think I, will. I don't like all of his films. I will like I don't like the Royal Town of Bombs at all. There's something about it. Just it's not good. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why I don't care for it. But uh, Grand Budapest is – he's kind of ratcheted up level. But I think it works so well because he's – it's not just about the story. He's playing with composition and frame ratios and that's what really – that's what really gets me on this film. So like you start – you start in a – so if you watch the movie, it starts with that girl going to visit – you know the the monument for the author, and then it goes to the author, and then it, or Tom Wilkinson's old, like old author, and then it goes to Drew Law as who's the author as a young man, and then it goes back towards Gustav H and Zero, Mustafa, and so but the but the the ratio gets smaller and smaller and smaller every time you every time you go further down into the film, and so you're going back in time, but you're also shrinking ratios because as you go back in time you're given the ratios that existed in film at that time. And so by the time that you get to f- you, by the time you get to um, zero and Gustav H we're in four, three, which is what you would always have watched films in and that. And so it then it plays with the composition about like zero is always like behind him or diagonally across from him. And the only time when he start, when Gustav H starts to treat him like an equal, when they're in the car together, after they get boy with apple and they're like, let's make a pact and let's do this. Then they come up to the same level and they are horizontally the same in the shot. So it's like, so Anderson is playing with their relationship just in the composition of the film without even telling you that he's doing it. And that's, and I don't think you have to you don't have to notice those things to appreciate the film, but it's certainly if you if you're looking for it or you recognize it, this is where the nomination comes from outside of its outside of, you know, it's great music and, and acting and, you know, production design and so on and so forth. Why? you See, uh, no, I didn't make any of that up. I'm I, not saying you did. But you somehow made the movie even more boring. Okay, to you, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to you, who don't that only cares about story. Yes, then, sure. I care about story, acting, music, and stuff that's done well. You're, you're not going to like how I added more awards to the to the Rewindies <laughs> this season, then, because I've got more stuff Favorite for you. Favorite Blade of Grass. You've got, obviously, it's from this movie. I think this is a. I would not recommend Grand Budapest to everybody because I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Well, I, you're you're strange that way. Um, but but you don't like it. Of course, you're not going to recommend it to somebody. Not true. I will recommend things I hate to people. That is true. But people that you hate and you want them to, to Usually, suffer. But I wouldn't even do that. To yeah, them. and I you have to you have to appreciate you have to have a quirky sense of humor to you have to have a, a, a quirky sense of humor to really 
to really appreciate this film. Uh, and, and your sense of humor does not line up to Wes Anderson at all. Right. Um, you're quirky, but it's a different quirky. My sense of humor is funny. Is it though? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not done talking about this film. Don't go to your fun facts. I'm not even (laughs) done talking about this film. I think that Ralph Fiennes particularly creates in a, a very memorable performance and something that's very out of the box for him at the time. He's not really known for his comedy, uh, before this, he's not really known for his comedy before this. And it's kind of, it's great to see him let loose, but in a buttoned up style. And so he's still kind of like weirdly reserved, but not at the same time. I don't know. I could really, I could do a whole podcast episode about this film, talking about it with somebody who actually appreciates it. And which I know that there's, it was nominated for best picture, Paul, and it won awards. bribed people. No. Yes. No, he did not. This is a five out of five for me. This is an excellent film and it deserves all the awards and more. No. Yep. But give me your fun facts. Unlike most movies, every time a newspaper article appears, it contains a complete description of the events in the headline, all written by writer-director Wes Anderson. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. The scene in which Ludwig, Harvey Keitel, says, Good luck, kid, before slapping zero across the face, was shot 42 times until Bill Murray was satisfied. Keitel actually slapped him each time. Great. That's fun. The cast includes four Oscar winners. Hold on. I can do this. Hold on. Wait. Yep. Ralph Fiennes. Um, Tom Will... Nope. Tilda Swinton. Yep. Edward Norton. No. Edward Norton. F. Murray Abraham. Yep. And Adrian Brody. Yeah, you're missing one. Well, no, I did. Ralph, hold on. Ralph Fiennes. I don't think Fiennes has ever won. Yeah, didn't he win Best Supporting Actor for Schindler's List? No. Who did? Ben Kingsley. Oh. Oh, interesting. Oh, no, didn't he win for The English Patient then? No. Hmm, interesting. Okay, hold on. I'll do this again. Wait, is it like at this time it won... Um, at this time, so 2015. Okay, so F- oh, let me do this week. again. F. Murray Abraham, yep. Tilda Swindon, yep. uh, Adrian Brody, yep. and Saoirse Ronan. No, she's never won. Jude Law. No. Jude Law's never won. Tom Wilkinson's never won. Harvey Keitel. No. Willem Dafoe. No. Jeff Goldblum. No. All right, I'm out. Fisher Stevens. Oh yeah, I really wouldn't have gotten that. And twelve Oscar nominees. Yeah, well, I think I just named all of them. You did. Murray Law, so. Goldblum, Norton, Owen Wilson, Harvey Keitel, Bob Bubala, no, Bob Balaban, Tom Wilkinson, Willem Dafoe, Cersei Ronan, Ray Fiennes, and Lucas Hedges. Wow, there you go. Yeah. Well, Lucas Hedges, right, yeah. Yeah, he's the... Yeah, he was nominated for Over the Hedge. <laughs> yes, he was. Or Manchester by the Sea. Either one. Oh, yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, that's right. Either one. All right. I'll let you I'll let you move on from the Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, thank God. But I'm it disappoints me. Like I some most of the time I don't really care when we disagree about things. It disappoints me that you don't like this movie. It disappoints me that you like this movie. We oh, have something in common. We do. Uh let's talk about things we have in common. American Sniper, directed by Clint Eastwood, written by Jason Hall, based on the book by Chris Kyle, Scott McEwen, and Jim Delafice, starring Bradley Cooper, Sienna Miller, and Kyle. 
Gallner, nominated for Best Picture, uh, actor for Cooper, adapted screenplay, editing, and sound mixing. It won sound editing. I'm going to talk about the difference here because some people don't know. Sound editing is when you compile the sounds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You find what you find. This is the sound the gun makes. This is the sound the tank makes. And mixing is putting them together at the right volume, when to increase them, when to decrease them, when to mesh them with, when to mesh them with other sounds to create a, a whole soundscape, things like that. Um, those are two different, those are two different and things. And which one did this win? Sound editing. So the compiling of the sounds. Okay. The compiling, like, this is what the gun sounds like. This is what okay. the tank okay. sounds like. This is what the yep. fake baby crying sounds like. <laughs> um, the plot of, uh, is a it's a true story based on a true story of Navy SEAL Chris Kyle and his uh, and his um, his four tours uh, his four tours uh, on the war on terror um, in the Middle East and uh, it goes back and forth between his family life and his tours on duty and him reconciling the difficulties psychologically uh, and uh, within his family about the tolls of war and then. Uh, I, I honestly do not care for this film. I don't care for many Clint Eastwood films. Um, I, I, uh, I it's just not. They don't. They just don't particularly line with my with my tastes. I think I like Chris Cooper. I think he's good. I think everybody's good in. I think everybody's good in the movie. Um, I think the stuff at home is good, mm -hmm. like the scene where he's sitting in front of the television. And he's replaying memories, but nothing's happening. Right. On the TV. I think Sienna Miller is particularly good. Uh, but the movie itself just doesn't do it for me. The, the, the war segments don't match, don't necessarily match up to, they're a little too action hero-y in some ways. And they don't particularly line up with what Eastwood is trying to say about the effects of war on soldiers. Um, you know, it's funny you say that. Let me uh, let me do a quick check of my fun facts. Do your checks. Do them. I am. do them now. Check them. Check them uh, now. I'm trying. Ah, here it is. Uh, nope. Mm -hmm. Uh, no. So, okay, give me some stuff. Um, so one of the reasons why it feels like that to you. Is because mm -hmm. the studio wanted to make a different film than what Clint Eastwood wanted to do. Uh, Clint Eastwood wanted to make uh, more of an anti-war movie mm -hmm. that focused heavily on that. The family and, stuff. Right. And the, the studio. Well, I mean, on the effects of war. Yeah. Um, okay. And the studio was like, no, we, we can't. We have to show the war stuff. Wow. Okay. Yay, war. Oh, that's very interesting. See, and that's I might have pegged it differently than than that. I would have almost reversed it, but you know, um, you know what I think about you know Clint Eastwood's views on. But I mean, he is getting older, so maybe he has different you know understandings of things. But I thought those that stuff was I thought that stuff was good. And better than the the actual war yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I don't know. It, it's a tough movie for me. I I dislike war movies, mm -hmm. and I dislike you know obviously I dislike war in general. Right. Um. So, so watching war movies can tend to be a slog for me, unless there's something that really 
like gets me to care is a bad word, but gets me into the movie. Sure. So like Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. I like it because it's about them going to to bring home one person. Sure. Like I like that aspect of it. Um and this is more of like one person's achievements in a war. That's right. So it I just don't yeah. The war stuff is his achievements, but the at home stuff isn't. And that's what that's where the two that's where the two bits don't come together. Right. You know, very every I mean every so often they but are I mean, like the guy he like, meets that he saved of what his life. His view is like mm-hmm. that's that's part of the PT, that's part of the PTSD and that's also part of the problem of why he keeps going out because he feels like that's what his achievements are. That's right. And not what's at home. That's right. And it's um, he's learning to see the achievements yeah. uh the you know helping people in a different way with the with the tough experiences that he's had which ultimately cost him his life. Yes. Yeah, because um, he's helping veterans, and the and the he was the, the yeah, veteran kills him. Um, I don't have it written down because I I wanted to like I wanted to confine this more to just the movie than anything else. This movie was mired in controversy. Yes, it was. Um, and I'm not gonna get into it because sometimes it sometimes it's a little bit too difficult to split ideology and reality or ideology and and truthfulness i don't it, it's weird but like i don't want anyone to get the the mm-hmm. feeling that ideology plays a part in anything that we do like we're we're here like we're talking about the movies that's right so we're talking about the movies right. so that being said like there is no way, I'm sorry, there's no way a movie should ever be nominated for Academy Award when you have an obviously fake baby. <laughs> like, So I think, I'm pretty sure I remember, I remember news articles about the yeah. baby, and I'm pretty sure the baby got, was like, the baby they were supposed to use was sick or something like that, and so like, they had to like, basically run to the warehouse and like, grab a toy. You'll, you'll find out. Okay, um, good. So yeah. Um, I I think Bradley Cooper is good in the movie. I'm not usually his biggest fan. Um, I think Sierra, Sienna Miller is really good, mm-hmm. and I'm with you. I don't typically like uh, Clint Eastwood movies to begin with. Um, I do really love Gran Torino. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's one of his best films that he's in and that he directs. I also really like In the Line of Fire. I love In the Line of Fire. Okay. Um, where he plays the C- where he plays the Secret Service agent. Yeah. Well, I think his earlier stuff that he's right. It, it, I think yeah. it's just this last like, I don't know, like less than ten year period. I just like he's he's yeah. just, he's just waning for me. And then I love um, Perfect World with him and Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. Like that is such a great movie. But I mean, Gran Torino is not too. Actually, Gran Torino is right around this it's, time. It's this, a little it's, bit before. It's before this, that, that was like his last right. Like. That was his last big hurrah, I think. Yeah. Um, and I mean... Although like, I might feel so, differently if there wasn't studio interference on this film. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's very possible. And mm-hmm. you're right. I think the best parts of this movie are the stuff at home. Mm-hmm. And not because, like, the war... And here's the thing. Like, the war scenes just... They don't do anything new. They don't do anything different than what we've seen in war movies before. That's right. 
So it's just kind of there. They're just kind of there. Yeah. Um, so fun facts. Sure. Fun facts. Do, 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 With the exception of facts. two weeks filming in Morocco for exterior Iraq scenes, the film was filmed entirely in California. Wow. According to Jason Hall, two babies were supposed to portray Chris and, Te- and Taya Kyle's child. A doll was used after one baby was sick and the other did not show up. Oh, there you go. Bradley Cooper later admitted that he thought it was silly using an unconvincing plastic doll for Kyle's infant child during a serious emotional scene. While moving the doll's arms with his thumb, Cooper cracked in Texas drawl, I'm saving y'all $100,000. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's. I don't think I actually noticed when I saw the film in theaters, but you can't unsee it once somebody tells right. you. Yeah. You just... You just Much can't. like your parents. No, no, they no. can't unsee you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. All right. Uh, next movie, The Imitation Game, directed by Mortland Tildum. That's a tough That's a tough last name. Mortland Tildum, written by Graham Moore, based on the book Alan Turing, The Enigma, or based on the nonfiction biography, Alan <laughs> Turing, The Enigma, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Keira Knightley, Matthew Good, Rory Kinnear, Matthew Beard, Mark Strong, and Charles Dance. Nominated for Picture, Best Actor for Cumberbatch, Supporting Actress for Knightley, Directing, Editing, Music um, for Alexander Desplat, who actually won for the Grand Budapest Hotel, so he was nominated twice, still got an award, uh, and Production Design. He won for Grand Budapest Hotel? Yeah. I thought his first win was this past year or last year. The Shape of Water? No, he's no. he won for, I think he won for the King's Speech as well. Uh, who am I thinking of then? I I'm thinking know. of the guy who did Blade Runner. I don't know who did. I don't know who did the score for Blade Runner. No one knows. I'm not going to look it up. I can tell you that. So much. I am going to look up Alexander Desplat and tell you how many. Um, you do that, and tell you how many awards. He's... So I really like this movie. Oh yeah, I love uh, this film. I I really liked this movie when I first saw it. I like this movie upon rewatching it. He won for Shape of Water, yeah, and Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, okay. Oh, he did not win for the King's Speech. Ah, see, but he was nominated a bunch. The Queen. Right. Benjamin yeah, Button, no, he's always, Mr. He's Fox, Argo, yeah. Philomena. Yeah, Isle of Dogs. Um I think I think Benedict Cumberbatch does a great job as Alan Turning. Turing, not turning. Turing. There's no N there. It's T U R I N G. Yeah. All right. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. He's a, he's the inventor of the computer, man. Show some respect. The, Look, the whole I reason am, we can do this is I because am, of Alan Turing. I'm showing him a lot more respect than he got from his government. So <laughs> Uh, the guy who uh, composed Blade Runner, by the way, is Vangelis. That is his name. That's mm. his whole name. It's like okay. Oprah or Cher or Madonna. So. Yeah, there you go. In any event. Oh, no, I'm thinking about the... No. No, okay. Not important right now. Well, then why do you keep sidetracking me? You sidetracked. Mm. Um, Mark Strong is really good. Charles Dance is always really good. He's always Charles Dance, but he's always great. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since... Uh, last action hero. He's just always Charles Dance. He's just Charles Dance. Um, this movie, you know, this movie is one of the perfect based on a true story movies because I had absolutely no idea of any of the people or actions going into the movie. Oh, okay. Um, so you don't run into that fact of like, well, I know the ending. I didn't know the ending at all. I mean, I knew we, I knew they won World War Two, yeah. but surprise, yeah, surprise, yeah. we're not Nazis. <laughs> yeah, um, but this this film was very informative. It is 
it is um, very dramatic in its portrayal of the events that happen leading up to the code breaking. And it's very, it's very emotional at the end. Did you know you jumped on this before I even can tell you what the plot of this movie was about? Yeah. You started Because you were looking up it. other stuff and otherwise we would have had dead air. That's not true at all. I always feel for you. Otherwise it'd be dead air. No. The amount of time it takes you to scroll through your phone to find your fun facts that are copied from IMDb. Uh, do you some don't research. Know that. Yes, I do know that. I watched you do I it. I did do research and I chose to go the other route. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I chose to make it up. Yep. Um, jeez. Uh, Imitation Game follows the story of Alan Turing, the inventor of the computer, who is hired by the British government to codebreak Enigma, German, the German code, uh, the the main German code from World War Two. Yeah, right. That's what it is. That's okay. yeah. I'm sure people got that from context at this point. Yeah, but you know what? I got to say my stuff. You know, I do <laughs> that the work. You just that you just copied from IMDb. I didn't copy that. Del- I literally said that from and then deleted my, a couple lines I'm from my own brain. I said it from my <laughs> own brain right now. I mean, I watched it like two hours before you came over to record this, so it better be up here. <laughs> um, excellent. Uh, you're right. The excellent film. Uh, Alan Turing story was not known for a long time because it was so classified. Right. But I mean, heck even so like Apple computers is, um, Alan Turing committed suicide by eating a poison apple. He poisoned an apple and ate it. Um, and so Apple computers is named for Alan Turing. That's not true actually at all. That was, but isn't that very poetic? Isn't that nice? You don't know that. No, I definitely know that it's not. Um, because Steve Jobs has said Steve Jobs has said as such uh, that it's not named for it's not named for Alan Turing. But wouldn't it be great if it was? It's just a weird happy coincidence that I don't the, think you know what the word happy means. I would say it's a weird coincidence. Yeah, that at one of the most famous computer companies in the world has their logo is an apple with a bite taken out of it, and the man who invented the computer killed himself by eating a poison apple. So you can think about that. Oh, um, my Alexa responds to the word computer, not uh, Alexa, Uh because I'd rather live in Star Trek than, you know, this world. So when she rises up and kills you. I mean, she can't rise anywhere. She doesn't have legs. That's what they want you to do. It'll roll towards me. Have you seen Terminator? (laughs) Yes. I actually just watched it a few, well, a few months ago at this point, I guess. Anyway. It's really, it's a really strong movie. It's very breezy for a for it's only a period an hour and piece. 45, yeah, an hour and fifty. Yeah, it's a it's breezy. Um, I think everybody pretty much brings their A game. This this came at a time when Benedict Cumberbatch was really playing geniuses. You know, it was like his like his weird like shtick. This this is like he play he plays abrasive geniuses. That's his thing. This came at a time when Benedict Cumberbatch was looking for any excuse. To put as many years in between seasons of Sherlock as humanly possible. That's correct. By still playing geniuses. Right. But I think, I think is a testament to him as an actor to say, like, watch Imitation Game uh, and feel that you're not watching Sherlock. You're not watching Doctor Strange. You're, you know, like these other guys who are very, very smart and own the room. When they're in there, even as Hamlet, you know, things like that. He plays them all very differently. Yep. Uh, and which is great. Imitation Game is named, people might wonder about the title. Imitation Game is named for the Turing test, which is the test that you, uh, which is the test named for Alan Turing that he basically created himself that you can tell if something is a 
computer or not. So the Turing test you see in Blade Runner actually is a Turing test. You know, when they ask you and they ask random questions about like, when you see a turtle swimming, do you brush your teeth? You know, what all those weird questions that you right. they get asked in Terminator, uh, not Terminator, Blade Runner. That's a Turing test. Right. The difference is like, did you like, did you really need those questions to know if someone was a machine or not? I mean, then? now you do. I mean, I don't think you try, do yeah, now. try logging into your email without remembering your password. You got to click the signs, you know, <laughs> that's a Turing test. It's the same, it's the same thing. <laughs> I'm a real boy. Yeah. I Turing swear. test is like a, do you, you know, like what's your grandmother's maiden name? Log into your account. I have no idea. That's too bad. You shouldn't have chosen that. It's a security password. <laughs> it's a security question then. Too bad for you. But give me some fun facts. Okay. Give me some fun facts. This is a fun, fun facts. movie. Whenever I do security questions like mm-hmm. that, um, whatever the question is, the answer has nothing to do with it. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. I don't remember what my... I saw a, a security questions, like a joke security question thread recently. Yeah. And it was like, uh, when did your wife leave you? And when did you give up on life? This morning. And things like that. <laughs> like, oh, Oddly enough, the same time. Also the same day. In an interview with USA Today, Benedict Cumberbatch said of Turing's royal pardon, the only person who should be pardoning anybody is him. Hopefully the film will bring to the forefront what what an extraordinary human being he was and how appalling his treatment by the government was. It's really shameful, disgraceful part of our history. Oh, it is and terrible. that is true. It is terrible. We didn't really talk about that. So Alan Turing was gay, but right. it, it, you, he it took was, chemical castration over... Over jail over because jail. it was illegal. Right. It was illegal in Britain. Gross misconduct, I think it was called, something like that. Yeah. Um, and so the judge gave him, you could either take hormones to, quote, unquote, fix you, like fix yeah. the gay, or um, or he would go to jail. And yeah. so he chose, he chose the drug so he wouldn't have to go to jail, but that actually, but it, like, Altered his altered his chemistry, yeah, obviously. They're, they're mind and, altering, right? Drugs. And so, like, he couldn't think the way that he used to, and it was it's truly totally terrible, yeah. which is why he committed suicide. Mark Strong's character, Stuart Menzies, is the basis for James Bond's boss M. Yes, that is correct. Head of MI six. Yep. But there's only five branches of this military will... intelligence. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Fleming's World War II espionage work, at the very least, made him aware of, a, of the man who ran MI6. That is correct. Ian Fleming, terrible spy, great author. <laughs> <laughs> Commander Dennison says that he has rejected one of our great nation's top linguists, knows German better than Bertolt Brush. Do you know who that linguist was probably? No. That linguist was likely J.R.R. Tolkien, writer of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings books, who learned German from his mother in January 1939. Tolkien was asked whether, in the event of national emergency, he would be prepared to work in the, crypto- in the cryptographical department of the Foreign Office. He agreed and apparently attended a four-day course of instruction at the Foreign Office beginning on March 27th in October 1939. He was told that his services would not be required and never worked as a cryptographer. Huh. Yeah. Because the whole time he was like, so anyway, did any of you read The Hobbit? You know? <laughs> no. No one's read it. No. No, Professor Tolkien. Please leave. <laughs> no. Please leave. The books are way too long. Like, you could have just... The Hobbit the is e- not long. The eagles could have just saved everybody some time. They weren't allowed to fly you have three there. Three episodes. It of was me a no-fly. It was a no-fly zone. 
Palmer. I'll come. Oh man, I could. I'll battle royale you for that. <laughs> I will bring in witnesses, and you will. You will not. You Your will. cat doesn't count. Yes, my cat does count. His name is Tolkien. He's right there. He is. You love him. I do. Mm-hmm. Then again, I love most cats. He's apathetic to us right now. <laughs> Much like a normal cat. Much like a normal cat. He's so great. Anyway, best picture winner. Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, directed by Hal- uh, Alejandro in- Inurito. Whew, that's tough. Alejandro G. Inurito. Written by Alejandro G. Inurito, Nicholas Giacobone, Alexander Dinlaris, uh, Armando Bo, based on the story What We Talk About When We Talk About Love by Raymond Carver. Which is cool because then you're like, that's what they. That's what he's adapting right. in the thing. It's, right. it's really good. Yeah. Um, starring Michael Keaton, Zach Galifianakis, Edward Norton, Andrea Risbo- uh, Risborough, Emma Stone, and Naomi Watts. Nominated for Best Actor, Keaton. Supporting Actor for Norton. Supporting Actress for Stone, Sound Mixing, and Sound Editing. It won Best Picture, Director, Cinematography, and Original Screenplay. Uh, it revolves around a washed-up actor, played by Keaton, who is adapting a Raymond Carver story on uh, onto Broadway. Um, adapted and starring to kind of reamp his career after being a washed out blockbuster superhero actor. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie is incredibly metatextual because it's about Michael Keaton, like it's about Michael Keaton's character, Regan, kind of you know doing this doing this independent project to it, kind of revitalize his career, but also prove to himself that he's worth something and he's worth more than just box office numbers, but he's a real artist with real feelings and how and that how that has affected his life. But it's also because Michael Keaton really wasn't doing much of doing much work before this film because he was a washed out superhero actor who did this thing to revitalize himself and it just works so stupidly well. Birdman is great. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um and a lot and the thing is like a lot of the movie is kind of written for the people that are acting in it like the like the part that Michael Keaton plays is written for Michael Keaton that's correct the part of Edward Norton is written for Edward Norton because it's kind of based on Edward, Edward Norton. Norton that's right that's right they're like they're uh like hyper real versions of themselves right. where they're just like it's just like a version too far yeah. You know, like, uh, I'm taking this too far this way. Like, especially Edward Norton's character. Like, it's just, a, you're a little too much. Right. Yeah. And, um, well, the, that's why he's no longer the Incredible Hulk. That's right. It, basically. Um, but I think, I mean, this, apart from, apart from the narrative, you know, this, you know, this meta idea of, the actors are themselves and they're playing the actors who are yeah. actors and like all this stuff. And then, it, but, it's also filmed in a way that it's it's all basically invisible cuts that there is no which is for those who don't know in editing in cinematography when you are when you the eye doesn't recognize that the frame of the camera cuts to something different so it's meant to look like one continuously long shot yeah. and so like if somebody walks through a door and it's completely dark and he opens the door on the other side that's technically a cut but you can't tell it's one because it's you know because it's completely dark and it segues directly into the exact next moment um and so i think this movie is nominated in wins based on those two things you know because hollywood loves a movie about itself yeah and this is about a hollywood actor who's washed up 
and is trying to reclaim the glory and prove himself to be a real artist to the world. So it's a big, it's a big middle finger to block to big blockbuster films. It's about actors doing art. It's about the stage and like all this stuff. And that is just what the Oscars are all about. Big middle fingers to, to especially watch this yourself. time. Watch yourself. Cause that's not the case anymore. Um, no, I think that I mean like this particular time, because the Oscars, as we know, go through eras where like, say like the 10 commandments wins one year, but in other years it doesn't, yeah. you know what I mean? So, um, his, his directing style and his cinematography style in your Rito in, in Rito, um, you're right. It's very long, long, long scenes, long uncut scenes like you mm-hmm. have to go through like 15 pages at a time that's right long um and in some cases it works really well revenant i absolutely love long long scenes this one because like it does a good job at giving you the confined space of this tiny theater mm-hmm. at the same time the long cuts tend to get a little bit too much for the movie because of the space they're working in cuz like, there's only so there's only so many times you can walk all around the theater in one scene. Right. But that's but the claustrophobia of the theater is representational of the fear and the anxiety that Regan has. Right. So I, it works I understand, that way. I understand those, but at some points like and I like those kinds of things. Like I like long uncut scenes because I think it really challenges actors. You gotta you can't just do like three lines and like, all right, cut. Like you gotta go through minutes of stuff right well that's the, that's the other thing so the so it's it's filmed the it's filmed in uncut quote-unquote uncut yeah. invisible cuts is one long continuous stream because that's the theater there are no right. cuts in theater so the movie which is a movie about move like actors right. doing right. a stage thing like, is filmed I, in a way that you would be on stage but it's a movie but it keeps going like yeah, it's on but stage it's not like, and, it's not like he mm-hmm. did this the first time for this like that's just his style well sure but that's like so, so but if you're so like, you can read into it all you want and in this movie it works but it's not like he did it because of this well something like say the in, well yes and no because the invisible the invisible cuts is not something that exists in say the revenant that movie doesn't that movie has clear cuts it has passage of time in a way that this that this movie does differently but that's like saying if you're reading a Cormac McCarthy novel let's say you read The Road Cormac McCarthy doesn't use punctuation he doesn't use quotations Good. or commas or anything like that and so if you read The Road which is post apocalyptic you could read that and be like oh my god it's genius like society has crumbled so there is no punctuation there are no rules there are no right. there's no grammar anymore but then you can read all the pretty horses and it's the same thing and you're like right. oh that's just you're just right because like, all like, the horses are so pretty you right. forget to put in the punctuation right you're just a lazy bastard is what you are <laughs> you pull a surprise winning genius i'm i'm against the oxford comma and the oxford quote you are never you can't be again i'm against <laughs> i'm just against oxford <laughs> yeah uh, oxford in general i really like this movie the acting is stellar I really like Inurito as a director and as a writer because he he does I think he writes his, his stuff, stuff mostly most of the time yeah um and he's also it's also like there's a lot of improvising in his stuff mm-hmm. um so I do like that aspect like I said my biggest my biggest complaint is at times his visual style gets a little much for the movie that's being done. I think in other movies it works very – I think it works a lot better in other movies. Mm -hmm. 
while I don't hate it here, after a little while, I'm like, all right, can we? It because because the thing is, it'll tend to make things seem longer, right? So that's right. Well, that's I think part of that might be the the uncomfortability. Yeah. So. So most of these films that were nominated are, are independent films, right? And so, you know, they, they're they not made by big studios. They're made by independent studios. Um, and part of part of being an independent movie, part instead of it's like the crowd pleaser mm-hmm. necessarily, is that it doesn't please the crowd, is that it's not necessarily antisocial, but it is – it like performs like an act of transgression on something that's normal, whether it's time or narrative or something like that. And in this case, it's time. It's uncomfortability mm-hmm. with cuts. That's part of being – yeah. that's part of – because you don't have the studio, say, like an American Sniper going, oh, no, you have to do it this way. Right. You have to do that. And that creates uh, – sometimes it creates a crowd, crowd pleaser. Sometimes it doesn't. Yep. Uh, give me some fun facts on fun Birdman. Fun facts about Birdman. Mm-hmm. Given the unusual style of filming long takes, Edward Norton and Michael Keaton kept a running tally of flubs made by the actors and actresses. Emma Stone made the most mistakes. Zach Galifianakis made the fewest. He actually did mess up a, mess up a few lines during filming, but played his mistakes off well enough that his shots were included in the film. Wow. Well, he's... A- Extremely talented. He also, I don't think, was in the film as long as yeah. Emma Stone. I don't know if that's fair. The movie was largely shot inside Broadway's St. James Theater. Michael Keaton and the rest of the cast had to adapt to Inurito's rigorous shooting style, which required them to perform up to 15 pages of dialogue at a time while hitting precisely choreographed marks. Yeah, that's tough. So it's like Aaron Sorkin on speed. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. But it's like being on stage. Yeah. The voice of Regan's alter ego Birdman is a parody of Christian Bale's Batman voice in the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. Which is hilarious. Yeah. Because it's Batman, but he's making fun of Batman. Right. I remember somebody watching Birdman and the, this film, and they were like, oh, man, I want to watch those Birdman movies. Like, can I watch those? They're like, yeah, sure. And I want yes, they're called Batman. And Batman Returns. And we can all pretend that maybe he was in a weird, a Batman Forever one day. I don't know. But because there's Birdman three, yes, he was in Batman, Batman Returns, and Birdman three. <laughs> so I don't know. I know that the guy in the Birdman costume, when he's having like his little like um his little episode mm-hmm. there, is a body double. It's not Michael Keaton, right? But the it his chin is like Michael Keaton's chin in the Batman costume. It's so it's they, well done. Um, the outfit was made was made using um the Batman mold. Yeah, it was made using like his form, his form that they did for the Batman molds. That's cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Great. All right. Well, let's do the rewindies, shall Yay. we? All right. The second highest rated segment. We are going to we are going to cover more awards this year than we have in the past. Palmer doesn't know about because I didn't warn him ahead of time because <laughs> I like watching you struggle. Best acting for a child under three. That is correct. Go now. The rewindies mean nothing. Just like points on this show so here we go best actor goes to benedict cumberbatch uh for imitation game yep. mine goes to ray fines for the grand budapest hotel best actress kira knightley kira knightley for imitation, imitation game. game mine goes to sienna miller for american sniper supporting actor jk jk simmons, simmons for whiplash yep. agreed yes uh supporting actress um 
Patricia Arquette. Patricia Arquette for Boyhood. I agree. She was magnificent. Cinematography. Uh, I would probably go with Birdman. You're going to go with Birdman. Yeah. I'm going to go with Grand Budapest Hotel. Special effects. Which, I mean, there's really only one movie that had any special effects. I mean, technically two. I can give you two. Really? Yeah, Selma had the explosion. And uh, Birdman had the Birdman sequence. Oh, yeah. Selma. Yeah. Selma. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Birdman because it's really the I just rewatched one. Selma and that bomb thing. I knew about it and it still came out of nowhere. That's good. So there you go. Production design. Birdman. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Editing. Birdman. I'm going to give it to Whiplash. Because, you know, the tension. It's hard to film music. and to, it's The fact that you can film Miles Teller sitting there drumming and I'm interested, going to give you the best editing award. <laughs> um, now, here's the, new, here's the new one. Well, actually, editing is new. So, yeah. yeah but you, you were right on that. That was good. But the other one, I'm going to do sound design and mixing combined together. So which one do you think did the best combo of both? Imitation game. You're going to do imitation game. The sound of Christopher, the computer, was excellent. Not even that. Um the sound, well, the sound of Christopher the computer going into the tracks of the tanks and the marching of the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a sequence of that, and it's great. No, oh, that's good. Um, I, that's a, that's really good. I'm going to give it to I'm going to give it to Grand Budapest Hotel, which it's this. Wes Anderson films play he plays with silence and he plays with silence and sound really well for those who do not think that sound is an important category I I invite you to go and watch any James Bond movie from the 70s and and especially what was that one where he he's on a ramp and the car goes over the ramp over the water but it it does that like but when he goes on the ramp it goes as the car goes yeah basically basically and it just pulls you right out and so Sound is so, so important to a film. Uh, best music? Uh, I don't know if best music is new or not. I can't no, remember. No, it's not. Um, uh, you, yeah, I'd probably go with uh, Imitation Game. You're going to go with Imitation Game. I'm going to go with um, Alexander Desplat for the Grand Budapest Hotel, which he did win because it's an excellent score. Best writing, which we know we combine original writing and adapted writing here at the Rewindies because it's still writing. <laughs> Because it's all just writing. Because it's all writing. Uh, I would, I would go with Birdman. I am also going to go with yeah. Birdman, which means the best picture rewindy goes to imitation game. Birdman. I'm going to give it to Birdman. I know you didn't see that coming. I can see on your face. No, I, I kind of did. It was like I a didn't second. think even you would would subject yourself to giving Grand Budapest Hotel the best picture. Uh, no, I don't want one. I don't want to hear it from you. Uh, two, but two. <laughs> while I think it is like I enjoy the movie more, uh, more than Birdman. Um, I think, I think there are layers. I think there are layers to Birdman narratively that are backed up by its acting and its production design. And it is, as I always say, it is the perfect sum of its parts, which is what mm. always gets the best picture. And even though so some of them always don't stand out more than others, it is the perfect film. Yep. Yep. So I'm going to give it to Birdman. Imitation Game. I think Imitation Game is great. I don't think it's a best. I don't think it's a best picture uh, winner. It's a, a, no, out it of these eight films. I would have to say, like, it's top three. Maybe Imitation Game. Like, I love it. It's great. Top three in the in top the three. Top one. three in these like eight films. But right. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a best picture no, winner. 
Yeah. But obviously, because I chose Birdman. But one, two, there you go. So, Palmer, we're moving on to 2000. We're moving on to 2005. Yay. 2005, A Space Odyssey. That's not the movie. That's not the movie. I know. The movies are as follows for next episode. Finding Neverland, Ray, Million Dollar Baby, Sideways, and The Aviator. Okay. Yeah. This is a weird year, as yeah. I recall. Do you? I, I remember these movies getting nominated and going, okay, okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. That's the, this is what we're living in, 2005. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So um, you can find us on Academy Rewind on Twitter and Gmail. And by that, I mean you... We never check our Gmail, and Palmer you is on the Twitter. Could so email us. Good luck. We you potentially could. We could have thousands. I wouldn't know. Um, but you can also find me at TimothyPG13 on Twitter, and you can head over to ThoughtBubbleAudio.com to check out all the ThoughtBubble Audio shows into Patreon.com slash ThoughtBubbleAudio to uh, support the show, and you can rate and review us on iTunes and other places podcasts can be found. Thank you so much for joining us in what is Season 5 Yes, of episode Acad- one. Episode one of Academy Rewind. We have some surprises in store for you this season, meaning... So much so that I don't even know them. That's right. I just mean guests. We, ah. just, have, we just have guests coming on. <gasps> yeah. I'm actually getting rid of you. Is Saoirse Ronan coming on finally? Yes. yes. Did you like that the birth? Did you like that the birthmark um, on her face was the shape of Mexico? Yes. It, yes, you did. Ah, so you did like something about Grand Budapest Hotel. Fantastic. And we're ending there. So, but it's great because they're playing us off. No, I have so many more people to thank. Thanks. Bye. Bye.